0: Welcome to Sutra Sidewatch.
1: I'm Comron. And I'm Brandon of Apollo City Comics.
0: And this is our pilot episode of a new movie analysis podcast. And dude, this is actually happening where it's just you and me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, this was a really, I don't even know how we got this idea. It was just kind of like a thought I forgot what we were watching because we do commentaries for Apollo City Comics every Friday and we've been watching movies together for a few months now. And I don't know, I guess it just like, I mean, I study film, I write scripts and everything. So I thought it'd be cool for me, but I, I, this just like came together out of nowhere. I don't even know how like the origin story started. It was just like, hey, you want to try this out? And you had the platform all, already all kind of yeah. prepped. waiting to get used, you know? You had the name. Yes.
0: Yeah, it was definitely like, I, I, was, I wanted to do commentaries like your show did, but more so like the plan was, oh, what if we did commentaries, but they weren't the comic book superhero ones. They're like everything else, which is basically all other film on the planet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it turned from commentary to like, oh, you know, we could do a commentary or, you know, you brought up the idea of uh, turning it into more of an analysis type show yeah because where we really dissect how the i guess are just how we how we would want to dissect a film and just see what we thought about it exactly
1: yeah it's a little bit more thought out and uh probably some homework was done for these shows unlike the commentary sometimes sometimes i mean the commentary the whole point was that you know COVID's going on we can't go to the movies we just want to hang out as friends sometimes and don't want to always just you know talk business all the time and the commentary is a good time to, you know, have a beer, watch a movie on Friday night, you know, shoot the shit, you know, just kind of goof off for a bit. And we've all had a blast, and we've gotten some great reception from them as well. And for us to be like, well, you know, there's there's other things in the world besides comic books, sadly. Um, and we're going to take on these things now.
0: Yeah. And uh, it's not going to be the same types of movies, obviously. Like, we're not doing Return of the Swamp thing. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, if it's uh, on that we, channel it's not here <laughs> so
0: yeah a lot like we'll still have some laughs here but it's not going to be anything at that level that we've had it like the commentaries or your own like apollo episodes or even our sutra side watch or sutra side talk uh episodes where i'm talking about like being in a harry potter theme park or something <laughs> yeah
1: yeah and there's no visuals like this is all you know an analysis what we got out of a film and we have this whole year sorted out. Dude, I'm so excited for everything oh, yeah. we have planned. Like, just the thought of all the cool stuff we're going to watch. And the way we came up to this this list of just, like, insane monthly picks. And, um, you know, it's the beginning of the new year. It's a new show. And, you know, a new year means resolutions. And a lot of those resolutions means taking care of yourself, making yourself better. So we thought we would choose the best self-love movie ever which is david fincher's fight club
0: oh yeah and <laughs> <laughs> i haven't seen this movie in so long it, i i think i was either in early i think i was in early community college the last time i saw it and i was in a very Different mindset in place there where I, I didn't really care about anything and it was just like oh whatever it's just another movie and I was like yeah it was really dope man you know they, they fight and do the secret stuff things blow up and he's got like multiple personality disorder disorder and it's just like oh it's crazy whereas now I watch it and I'm like wow there's there's a lot of messages here and I didn't <laughs> even think about this I was I don't know what was going on with my brain back then but damn i missed a lot in this film i don't even know how i did <laughs> Uh,
1: that's that's crazy the first time i ever saw this film i was spending the night uh at my my best friend sam's house and he had just seen it and he was like dude i need to show you this movie it's amazing you need to watch it and he put the movie on like at 11 30 at night like close to midnight and you know you're you're a sophomore in high school at that time like that means nothing to you but you know we're in his room and he puts the movie on and like 20 minutes into it sam passes out and i stayed up to the very end of that movie just transfixed just mesmerized like my life changed my mind was blown and i got obsessed with that movie i bought the book later that week i read the book i um I I, a few years later, I found the Blu-ray that has like the distort. I don't know. uh, How did you watch? What format did you watch it on?
0: I watched it. uh, So I used to I actually had the Blu-ray for a while. Uh, It was like one of those like, oh, you know, it's a movie you have to own. And I was like, yeah. And then honestly, when I just did my my big old purge of everything, that was one of the things that I just was like, when am I going to watch this again? And then I was getting rid of it. And then you're like, hey, we should do Fight Club. (laughs) And I'm like, oh. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, I actually just ended up watching it. Uh, I guess I could have just popped the disc in, but instead I just uh, watched it digitally. Uh, does does the digital version
1: do the same? I, it might have happened on the DVD too, because I had the DVD at one point, the paper packaged DVD. Um, but I got the like tenth anniversary Blu Ray, and when you started up um, the, <laughs> I put it on for me and my girlfriend to watch it because it's been years since she's seen it. Um, And I'm like, yeah, the movie's about to start. Um, Just press play. And then Never Been Kissed, the screen comes on. I don't know if yours ever did that, but they had this this gag that when you put it in, uh, the DVD menu screen for Never Been Kissed pops up and you see it says play, scene selection, special features. And it sits there for a minute and then it like distorts and then it switches to the Fight Club uh, menu and everything. And I always just thought that was the coolest thing. Like just just to mess with people.
0: I think it, it might have that on my Blu-ray that I had, but I also haven't touched that Blu-ray in like s- over seven or eight years. So I'm not even sure uh, if it did. I, it probably did, honestly. I have, think yeah. all, of, all of the current iterations probably have it. But yeah, no, the digital version did not, unfortunately.
1: Man, and but. this movie, dude, as a kid, as a, you know, a, a punk rock teenager growing up at that time, like I, I, you know, I didn't understand all the messages like I do now, but it just like, made sense to me like and what chuck was saying when he wrote it was that there was no you know women have all these movies and shows that you know you give them support and influence them and kind of you know really dive in to like uh their psyche and just try to like kind of give them support in that sense and guys don't have those movies we have fight club and dead poet society and that's kind of it you know um and this is just one of those movies that it hit me when i was a kid and i've probably seen this movie more than any other film in my life to tell you the truth damn yeah really? i swear dude i have seen it so much and um i even saw it on a date with my girlfriend one of our first dates it was playing at the draft house and i was like we need to go watch fight club like this is gonna be oh so i'd love awesome. to watch that in a the theater um, it's why i have a red leather jacket like <laughs> fight club like did so much for me um But I mean, uh, man, I, I don't know. I I think it's watching it again now and knowing what I do about film, I appreciate it so much more. Um, there's so much that went into this, um, the the editing, the CGI aspects, the, the way they filmed it with certain lenses and everything. It's, it's insane the amount of thought that Fincher put into it. Um, and I haven't seen very many other, uh, Fincher
0: films. I have not either. Like, honestly, I've seen probably when I was a lot younger. I think I watched Panic Room with my mom for some reason. I saw
1: Panic Room as a kid, yeah.
0: And then uh, I was this, and I think the more recent one I saw, but I, I you know, it's weird. I remember only the ending, I guess because it's so iconic, but seven. Oh, wow. Uh, That's the only, and I, but but I remember nothing else. I don't remember anything about that movie. I'm like, did I watch this? And I'm like, I did, but it's just gone out of my memory banks for some reason. It's just, it's not there. You know, I, Uh,
1: looking at his thing, um, Alien 3, I actually never saw Alien 3. Oh, I saw that. I forgot about it. I don't know why. It was just something I never got to. Seven, I never saw, but we're doing seven next episode. Spoilers. Um, The game, I never saw, but dude, I was looking into the game, and that movie sounds so fucking cool.
0: It does oh, sound man. awesome. With Michael Douglas, I, yeah. I was like, what? Yeah, when I was you know, doing so, research on like, this and came across
1: that, I was like, dear God, uh, that needs to be a movie we watched at some point. Um, Fight Club, I guess, was my first film with him. Um, Panic Room, I saw as a kid for some reason, too. I don't know why. My grandmother was watching it, and I just ended up seeing it. It was one of those movies I was just always laying around for some reason. Um, Zodiac seems familiar, but I don't think so. Um, the Curious Case of Wait.
0: He did. Uh, wait, did he do Zodiac like the Zodiac Killer Zodiac? I think so. Yeah, mystery thriller film. Yeah. Thrilling. Oh, the, I, okay. I've seen that. That the movie's amazing. Oh God, we. Oh, that's a great film. I think we're just gonna. Dude, I'm going right now. I think January is just gonna be Fincher month. <laughs> well, dude, I, you know,
1: all these movies that I'm listing, there's stuff I've wanted to see for a long. I I've just never had the chance to see Seven, so I haven't seen it yet. But these are all movies I've wanted to see for a long time. Um, the Curious Case of Benjamin Button, I've seen The Social Network, um, great soundtrack. Too. Oh, yeah. Um, the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, I have the book, and I've been wanting to watch the movie. It's on a queue list. Um, Gone Girl, and then he took like seven years off from doing movies, and he just did Mank. And I've, I'm really interested in Mank. I love the soundtrack. I was listening to it a few weeks ago. Um, he's also done stuff on House of Cards, Mindhunter, and Love, Death, and Robots and the cool thing about oh he did that yeah he did a lot of work on it um the cool thing about love death and robots is that my uh, it's funny my other favorite movie of all time is the animated heavy metal movie from 1981 um it's based on the anthology magazine comic book series and it pulled certain stories and it's an awesome super fun film um we'll we'll do maybe something here on this show but i wanted to do a commentary on apollo but it is the coolest most inspirational thing ever but the love death and rockets came about because they wanted to do another heavy metal film and they couldn't they couldn't get the certain rights or something like that um and instead they just renamed it (laughs) called it love death and robots netflix bought it but it was like you know solely off of the heavy metal film that that came about um and he did some work on it too i'd have to look it up to see what uh you know it's a bunch of shorts i have to see which ones yeah. he worked on, but uh a bunch of amazing stuff like i there's nothing here is bad nothing here you could diss on and be like this is a terrible movie unless alien Three you know is it's
0: bad. i it it wasn't honestly it wasn't that bad it, it just was like uh it wasn't at the level of alien one and Mm two so because of that if it was any other franchise it probably wouldn't have gotten as much flack but because of the sheer level of those two previous films and it didn't compare to that level it was looked at as just like oh you're i can't believe you did this but luckily for that movie joss whedon made it look even better when he came out with Alien Resurrection, which was the fourth one, because that movie is actually just sheerly horrid. <laughs> I gotta see and that's so the thing. That's I Josh saved David Fincher.
1: <laughs> Joshua seems to really destroy a lot of stuff, just saying. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but Alien Three, I heard he had a lot of pushback from the studio and he almost he almost pushed away studio films completely. Because of his experience on Alien 3. He, he, he was doing music videos and commercials before that. And he was just so disgusted on how controlling and they just couldn't agree on stuff. And so we recently actually, and I want to say this is, yeah, this just came out. Um, there is a comic based on the original screenplay that they wrote for Alien 3. It's out by Dark yeah. Horse Comics. Um, have you have you checked it out? I haven't looked into it. I
0: haven't checked it out, but no, it's like... I'll be honest, just like taking a small little sidestep. I confused it when I was like when I was younger, I confused David Fincher with Joel Schumacher. Oh. So for a long time I thought David Fincher was like one of the ones where you're just like, oh no, it's David Fincher. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't realize this is actually Schumacher. <laughs> but uh which is why when I thought Alien 3, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's the dude that the the Batman forever <laughs> yeah. shit. <should> okay. <laughs> um but I Alien 3, like, it, it was just, you could, now knowing behind the scenes, like, watching um, that documentary you recommended to me, uh, talking about how Fox's involvement is what led to the downfall of the film, and it wasn't even necessarily David Fincher. Like, it sounds like if he had more control, it would have probably been a fantastic. Now seeing his other films, it probably would have been on par with, alien and aliens like it would have fit with them a lot better but unfortunately fox did that but i haven't i haven't read the the screenplay comic yet i I actually haven't really read any alien comics and that's something i do want to dive into at a certain point
1: you know me too i'm kind of on the same boat i've done the like batman versus predator type of stuff and you know things like that but i haven't done too much alien predator comics and marvel just acquired the rights so there's an alien number one coming out in march might just pick that up
0: yeah, uh, Patrick Leeson's doing a cover. Oh, nice! He's kicking ass yeah, right I got now, ex- dude. The yeah, he's doing dude. fantastic.
1: Um, well, maybe we'll do the screenplay comic on Apollo City Comics. Uh, we'll find out. <laughs> I'd be, I'd love to. Yeah, we'll get yeah to we see. should
0: also talk about door. I feel like uh, Stoker's Dead Orbit as well. Yes, yes. Um, I haven't read that either, but that that's probably the first book I'm reading from the Alien
1: comics. It's crazy. Uh, this is a total sidetrack moment, but yeah. Um, <laughs> the the guy that did the artwork for that, I'm spacing his name, but his wife is Marthy our And she did shade the changing woman, um, for young animal for DC comics. And I got to interview her, interview her at comic con. And then I found out that that was her husband. And I was like, what? So I have like, I, I could try to network and get some stuff then. But, uh, oh, that'd be, that'd be amazing. Yeah, I, I met that guy's wife, <laughs> which sounds weird.
0: But... <laughs> <laughs> anyway. All right. So back to David Fincher and fight club. Well,
1: um, so also, you know, going into Fight Club, uh, David Fincher wasn't an avid reader. He's like really a guy that doesn't read a lot. Um, but somebody lent him Fight Club and he read it. I think it. it was
0: the author sent it to him. It was Chuck?
1: Yeah. Oh, wow. Dude, that's awesome. Well, he read it. He read it overnight and he just loved it. And he just was just like, I need to figure out how to do this. And he went to the studios. And unfortunately, Fox had just bought Fight Club. So back to the alien talk, we were just having, um, that whole idea just like really didn't sit well with him at the time. And there, you know, he had some friends, he talked to and they're just like, you know what, just go pitch them the idea you have for this film and see what they say. And it worked and they started working on the film and he had everything lined up. They worked on it for about a year. Um, just in the idea stage of storyboarding and script writing and all that type of stuff. Um, the, actually, the, the screenwriter, um, gosh, what's his name? Jim something. I totally spaced it out. Uh, Jim Yules. He actually only wrote Fight Club and Jumper. And Jumper is a movie I have not seen because I didn't want to see Hayden Christensen again in my life for a long time.
0: Oh, I was like, oh, you—he wrote *Jumper*, and then I realized I was thinking of uh, *Looper*.
1: Yes, I always get those two mixed up. So that's
0: that's why I got confused. That makes more sense. Okay.
1: (laughs) One of them is good, I heard, and one of them is really bad. But I never know. I
0: I I don't know what *Jumper* is at (laughs) all. So that's okay. I'll I'll find that out later. That's in due time. When
1: we have a hating Christensen month, we'll we'll do *Jumper*.
0: (laughs) Oh. it's just jumper and attack of the clones yeah. Jesus, oh my God. or that that movie where he's at an airport airport and it was a rom-com i think oh yeah that was like right after revenge of the sith and cool. then we never saw him again it was like his last film until now we get vader
1: um okay <laughs>
0: um was, you know i don't know uh fight club have you read the book before i haven't read the book so <laughs> i don't I don't really know much about it. Uh, It's something I do want to read, but there's so many other things I want to read that I'm like, yeah, one day I'm sure. But uh, I don't know too many. I don't really know many differences that he had from the book itself, uh, aside from maybe some of the ways he took into, like, I guess, like the set pieces and stuff. Like the whole thing with, like, uh, I, I found out that his. I guess it was Edward Norton's room or like Tyler, Tyler Durden's original room with all the Ikea furniture mm. that was supposed to be similar to that of uh, David Fincher's first place in LA.
1: Oh, wow. I didn't know that.
0: And he wanted to burn it down. He wanted to burn down his place. <laughs> so <laughs> that's where he got that from. So that wasn't actually from the novel. So that's like the one difference I know. But otherwise, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, just quickly going back to the Fox area where he was had to pitch back to them. It was interesting that, you know, Alien 3 gave him that experience he needed to be like, okay, now I know how they roll. I can see how I can use that to my advantage now when I go to the, about Fight Club. And at that point too, he has, unfortunately, Alien 3, but also 7 and the game under his belt. So with that extra, I guess, like, heavyweight power, he could better maneuver and like, Hey, I'm this director. Now I directed these films. So, uh, you got to listen to what I say about these things. And they're like, Oh, okay. I want to say they were both
1: really big successes, especially the game from what I understand.
0: Yeah. It sounds, even though it's weird, it's like, I've heard, I think because of sevens, just more iconic moment of just like, what's in the box. Like that's, like uh why I know about that more than the game. Whereas the game I knew honestly very little about. So
1: almost nothing after seeing what I saw when I was doing some research and I was like, damn, did we choose the wrong movie? No, no I'm <laughs> <joking>. <laughs> It just it <laughs> looks so interesting. It looks so cool. Um I really I need to check it out soon. Um You know, and what you were saying about the the differences in the book, you know, there there's for sure some key differences, but the three I could come that come to my mind from reading it. It's been years since I've read it, and it's one of those books I've lent out, and I just, I don't have a copy anymore, because it's been, it just disappeared in the, between fingers, I guess, Um, but the ending for sure, and spoilers, I mean, the movie's amazing, like, watch the damn movie, you know, but uh, at the very end um, of the book, he, it's, he winds up in a psych ward, I want to say, and then, actually, the book carries into a comic book series that came out within the last, I want to say, five years or so. Um, there's Fight Club 2 out and Fight Club 3, which is also a comic book. Um, and it continues their journey. Um, and Marla has, like, a kid, and it's about their kid that they have and everything. So it's kind of crazy. Um, and Chuck wrote it, too. So you know it's, like, authentic, and it, it is, like, canon in oh. that sense. Yeah. Um, so it's
0: sequel to the book, not the movie. Yes yeah okay so
1: it's uh i gotta check it out i've had it for years um my friend philly and austin has my set right now so i gotta get that back and i gotta look into that because i really want to I, I really want to reread the book because it's fantastic it's also a short read it's not very dense and heavy and whatnot so if you need something to read over a course of a month or something or a couple weeks uh definitely go blast through that um
0: so you'd say like the The movie has somewhat of a happier ending than the book. If he doesn't end up in a psych ward in the movie, yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. Um, I would definitely say so. And the way he meets Tyler is totally different. In the book, he meets Tyler during uh, our narrator. Um, he meets him on a nude beach, but they didn't think that would, uh, you know, audiences wouldn't like, really resonate to that meeting. <laughs> it's nineteen ninety nine, bro. <laughs> yeah, like so, it didn't really. They and I love how they met on the on screen. You know, the whole airplane moment. It's one of the coolest, you know, how how's, how's, like, being clever done for you and whatnot. Like, those lines are just so good. And seeing Brad Pitt interact with Edward Norton for the first time is super... You can just feel that chemistry. It's so interesting. Um, also, one of the biggest lines in the movie is different. Um, one of the most popular lines in the movie. Uh, after Marla and Tyler have sex, um, in the book, she says, I want to have your abortion. And the studios heard about that and they were just like, do not say that. Do not do not have Marla say, I want to have your abortion after they have sex. And uh, Marla Singer, um, who is portrayed by uh, Helena Boehm-Carter, um, dude, she's so amazing and she's gorgeous in this movie. I was like in love with her in high school. Um, and she has an English accent, which is, you know, she's from England. Um, she thought of the line like on the moment after they had sex and it was, uh, what was it?
0: Um, oh uh, i haven't gotten fucked this hard since grade school yes and she, <laughs> or this good was, since grade and school.
1: it was so vulgar and the thing is that she didn't know what grade school meant in like american terms so to her it meant something totally different than
0: actual like maybe like, university or something yeah, I don't so I know. higher
1: up and whatnot and not just like elementary like it really means here and whatnot um and so the the studios heard that and they're like can you please bring back the abortion line because this one's even worse. <laughs> Please go back. And he's like, no. Well, they couldn't reshoot. It was already done. And the way timing was, they couldn't go
0: back to do that part. So they just left it. I, I love I love the, the way you win is... Oh, you don't like this? Let me make something worse so now you want that mm-hmm. back. That's that's so good. I feel like I've heard that before from <laughs> something, but I can't remember what, but that's such a good strategy. I love yeah. that idea. You guys should think about that in all your lives every if you need something. That's how you win. Yeah. That's how you do it.
1: Yeah, if you if you're really determined on one thing, just make the second thing 10 times more
0: intense. If you can't get the abortion to happen, bring out grade school guys. That's how you- <laughs>
1: And you know, when we look at the film visually, man, it's it's so dark. I think that's what got my attention the most was the aesthetic it brought on. That that weird I don't know, they have a weird tint to it. They um looking into it, they had a uh, spherical lenses to bring out like the perception and the way they're able to shoot it and whatnot. And they use a five millimeter film at twenty four to one ratio. Um, and they had like this like teal color tint. And when they're you know doing the editing, they re-silvered everything. So it kind of brings out some colors more than others, um, kind of brings out that decay feeling a lot. Um, and you know he was really heavily influenced by uh, Kubrick. So you could kind of see some of those moments throughout the film as well, that like the way he shot certain scenes, the way the camera moves around characters, uh, it was super, hey, man, how can you look away? Like it's one of those movies you blink Literally, if you do blink in certain scenes, you'll miss something.
0: It really, I think, I think because I was in a very analytical mode, I probably went back, like rewound a little bit, at least I want to say seven or eight times, uh, because I wanted to get like watch something again, or I was like, wait a minute, hang on, uh, I, I, yeah, because the the contrast to the lighting there, it's it's they do it so well, where it's a dark but bright. Simultaneous feeling, mm-hmm. whether it's they're in the actual club itself underground or if it's in the house or whatever, but it's just so uh, it, it feels like it's supposed to be very dark, but you can still see everything. And uh, even when you can't see much, like it's more silhouetted mm-hmm. on uh, usually like maybe uh, Brad Pitt or Edward Norton, like you still get every single feature you necessarily need because you know, Brad. Uh, multiple times brad pitt's more not necessarily monotone but he's very emotionless in a way uh whereas like edward norton's always like you could tell he's just always uneasy about most things and it really reflects that through the colors that are shown on the screen when it's happening
1: oh yeah definitely and you know it's funny you say that about uh, brad pitt because i was thinking the same way about the narrator um Throughout the thing, he's completely emotionless. And that's what I love about it. You feel his dread just talking over everything. And Man, I I, I really want to get my hands on the script. I really want to see how they laid things out and how they inserted certain moments. Um, Because some of those, I know the sex scene, for example, that was not a real sex scene. David Fincher did not feel comfortable being like, all right, guys, we're going to shoot a sex scene. He just didn't know how to like approach them and like direct two people making love so they got like a hundred something cameras and they had those like like when they make video games those balls all over you so that they could kind of oh the mocap yeah Yeah. and um they kind of just shot like a million frames at once and they turned it into that cgi sex scene which is one of the coolest things i've seen in the world but in the very beginning um you know, we're coming out of the fear sector of Edward Norton's brain and out through his nose and up the gun barrel. And then that scene where we dropped down from the, whatever the top floor of the building to the very bottom that was shot the same way, apparently. And Oh really? Yeah. And that's, it's all queued up. Like it, the way they did the cameras and everything. And that's insane. Like, like, even to just to kind of animate it a little bit and make it flow the way it does. And that's the coolest thing about that movie. You have some of those most bizarre camera movements um, when they're talking about the uh, Grand Canyon and they're going through the trash can of all the um, Starbucks cups and all that type of stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, Definitely. And it's, it's funny, too, because looking at the cgi that's in this film for a late 90s movie it's almost like you don't it doesn't register in your head that it's cgi you're just oh. thinking like oh it's a crazy camera shot or you're not even thinking about it you're just like yeah whereas like now you look at a uh, more modern film you could easily you're just like yeah it's cgi you just look at any transformers movie or something and you're just mm-hmm. like yep like that's you could just tell whatever whereas this like going through the trash can going showing the stove yeah. light up <laughs> when or the <laughs> uh when he goes to the uh is showing the ikea stuff and everything else like that itself you just don't it doesn't register because it just all feels like it's in place perfectly
1: yeah and that's you know it it doesn't feel dated either in that sense like it looks good yeah Yeah. it's weird how they did that animation that cgi that those layovers i guess because it was real shots and they kind of altered it afterwards i don't know Um, But you're right, it it feels great even watching it in 2021, you know, like, it's, it's such, it's carried over. It's a timeless film that really, you know, in another 10 years, I think we're still gonna have the same feelings about it.
0: Easily, especially because like, at least when getting into like the messaging of the film it's very much like and I, and I love that they talk about it too it's like yeah the dude used to like david fincher did a lot of commercials and stuff like that and it's like what is this oh it's like completely anti-consumer anti-commercial it, it basically i i love that the example of this pretty much is i thought about it and i'm like oh this is this is men's eat pray love yes, <laughs> like, yes. <this> is, <laughs>
1: And, you know, that's it, that's what I meant in the beginning. You know, you have all these sisterhood of the traveling pants and all that type of stuff and all these other type of films for women and men, like, we don't have films that speak to us like this one does, like our frustrations. Where it and, shows
0: vulnerability, yeah. Yeah, and it's... Because everything's supposed to be super... How would you describe what is it? Is it, is it? Is that what the definition of toxic masculinity is? Is that what that means? I always forget because it's I always feel like someone's saying, like, three different meanings to it. Or if it's just, like, too much machismo or machismo. I always forget how it's pronounced. Yeah, you
1: know, like it, I would say that it's, it turns into that. That's the thing. It turns into that. It's like, you know, the scene where uh, Edward Norton just, like, finally breaks and it's too much when he's punching Jared Leto in the face and he just gets carried away. I think that's recrossed the line from, like, sympathetic to, like, okay, now we're overboard, you know, and that's the toxic, you know, toxicness that goes into him at that point
0: attention seeking of like wanting to be some form of alpha Mm -hmm. and now he sees that spotlight leaving him even though it is him he just doesn't realize it
1: yes (laughs) yeah that's the great part about it too is that you know you're trying to distance yourself and you're trying to just let go of everything and it's kind of you know it's it's funny at at the same time i was reading fight club i was really getting into the book siddhartha which is about like buddhism and letting go of things and material items and stuff like that and you know forgetting about all that and the good that comes with that and then you put that next to fight club and it's like i I don't want to say it's a modern day siddhartha it could be i guess um but that essence of letting go of all materialistic items and everything it, it hits you in a nerve that's just like damn like We do, as men, you know, women especially too. But for men, it's not said as much. But what we're supposed to look like, Calvin Klein, the everything that they're saying in the movie. You have a man's name on your underwear. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's, that's where it starts to become, I feel, toxic in that sense. And he breaks away from all that. And he wants you to understand that you can break away from that as well. But they go in such an extreme. Once it turns into Project Mayhem, you know, it's just boys being boys in a sense like blowing stuff up working together in secret like your secret clubhouse type of thing like it's a bunch of young kids as adults almost
0: it's yeah and it's it's funny too because you're like oh boy we could be we could be boys and men at the same time we're talking about our feelings we're talking about letting go of these things that are really controlling us and we also get to blow things up and we're holding and we're hugging and we're wrestling and we're blowing more things up. Mhm.
1: Yeah, it's um I don't know, it, it, and it really carries over for those who who haven't read the novel. Like it really it's it's the book, you know, 100%. You know, some minor changes, but the messages that are in the book are also the same messages in the movie. It's that's one of those really good book adaptations that's hard to find, you know. Um so for those of you who are interested in that message, in that understanding and maybe just like you Know it kind of opens your eyes to yes, you should fight against things, but only go so far. Um, kind of have restrictions on yourself as well. Because look at the outcome <laughs> yeah. behind all this. Um, blow up 10 buildings, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, dude, like, oh. and I, you know, that ending is so brilliant. And I'm like, yeah, if the world did go back to zero, like, imagine that. That'd be beautiful. I, th- I think it'd be such a great, you know anarchistic kind of movement that could change the world forever and change everything. And if everything broke because of it, man, that would just be cool to witness. Like I'm not going to lie, just debt for everyone back to zero and a restart. Like, especially in these days, like what's what 20 years later, after the book was written and the movies come out, you know, a little over 20, 20 years, man, that a message has never carried her out so strong. And I'm surprised something like that hasn't been attempted because it's kind of brilliant. Yeah, in that it's,
0: it's pretty appropriate, yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, because, like, especially as things have gotten even more materialistic, and it, it even, like, it's back to, like, the whole... Um, well, I guess not back to, but it, it hits uh, back... I guess it, it came out in the 70s, I can't remember, but, like, John Carpenter's They Live. Oh,
1: yes, yes.
0: Yeah, it's, like, it hits off that kind of feeling, mm-hmm. too, just in a much different way, where it's, like, They Live is the man discovering everything that's happening. Whereas this one is more like the, Hey, we're dismantling it. And you don't see really the faces of those that have done it. It's more of just like the, the symbolism of the culture itself Mm -hmm. than the people behind the scenes. Yeah. And which has always been cool.
1: And that's the, you know, you're all right. It is. It's a more spiritual. They live, I guess. I would definitely say that. Um, Man, what, uh, gosh, what else about the movie? There's so many cool facts and everything. Did you have any other unique things that Starbucks? Starbucks. You said it was Starbucks. Every
0: Every scene scene, apparently has a Starbucks cup of coffee.
1: And (laughs) And I had never realized that, (laughs) but now that you pointed out, you're right. I mean, I remember I had to look up
0: some fun facts about that, and I was just like, wait, actually? And I was just like, oh, shit, okay. I think, and oh, my bad. Was it? Oh, I was just going to say, it's just fun to have that uh satire commercialism or satire consumerism within it where it's like oh there's literally a star a star a Starbucks advertisement technically in each scene as it preaches like Fucking Starbucks at the same time, like that's just so. Well,
1: it does that with Pepsi too. Uh, did you notice all yeah. the Pepsi machines in the background, and even on the first scene that I was talking about with the how it drops to the van at the very bottom? Um, there's a Pepsi machine, and there's almost a Pepsi soda in everything.
0: I'll be honest. I think they were afraid to go uh, go against Coke. Yeah, because sure. <laughs> like, they they they're a little too powerful.
1: Um, I also did love uh, the unique score that they had. You don't find a I guess until, you know, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross started really doing scores. You didn't find scores like that um, very often.
0: Um, yeah, because from what it, at least reading like they're watching one of those documentaries, they talked about how uh, his pre I forget who his previous composer was on his other films, but uh, he had to switch it up because he didn't want the average like standard Hollywood composer. So he enlisted the Dust Brothers. Yes to do this one and theirs was much more like instead of being orchestral and everything this is much more it felt not necessarily dirty but it's just like punk where it was very like it 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 it, it capped the 90s into just like more of beats yeah. than music Drum necessarily if that like makes sense.
1: unique sounds and like weird piano cues you know what i mean like kind of offbeat stuff uh, it, and it totally fit the vibe and also when we were talking about the like how it looks visually you felt it because of the music you know what I mean yeah. it really got the vibe from the music and it related so well um, you know, and it's, it's a two and a half hour movie that they packed that whole book into those two and a half hours which is super impossible um, to do in most standards but I think they really got the essence that they were looking for in those two and a half hours um some scenes like we had already mentioned that got cut out but one of my favorite scenes in the book um that did get cut out was marla singer she goes to the house um which i have a cool fact about too um but she goes into their house and she finds her mother like in their fridge like they kill Marla's what mother.
0: yeah holy shit
1: yeah dude it's so
0: cool um is that like near the is it is it was it his followers that did it or was it like the
1: towards uh towards the end towards project mayhem stuff um it's been so long since i've read the book but i know something happens to her mother and she's like in a fridge or the freezer or something all chopped up
0: so i I take it they don't get along after that
1: Uh, i want to say they do i want to say everything carries out almost the same to be honest
0: She's like, oh, well,
1: <laughs> you know, and even I guess thinking about it, I want to say the whole credit card scene, um, the buildings blow up just the same as well. Um, but at the end, there's like an actual ending to the whole story in the book. Um, but I, I got to reread that. I got to look back into that one, too.
0: Um, gotcha. That's that's very that's very interesting <laughs> and very even more dark because you would have been that would have, I guess, felt very out of place because. Like each character you kind of see there Gets some form of establishment Whereas yeah. I don't know if her mother's in the book a lot. Is her mom in the book a lot Or is she just in that specific scene of She's the book? in
1: like She's like mentioned But she's not like a prominent character at all You know what I mean She's nothing like super important But the fact that that does happen And you know Marla witnesses it Is a whole another thing at that point point. Um, And you know speaking of that house What a cool house And you know that the way the the rain runs down the walls when um, they first introduce it and everything—it's a Blade Runner reference. Is it? Yeah, uh, it was David oh. Fincher giving a Blade Runner reference because um, he's, of course, you know, he's a big fan and who isn't. Um, but that was a callback to Blade Runner. Uh, that scene where brad pitt's riding the bicycle and that's so cool imagine having a house you could just ride a bike around through it but
0: uh oh yeah when, <laughs> until he falls
1: off when he falls off that wasn't that wasn't scripted that was brad pitt falling off the bike for reels for a take and uh oh, okay was, was he wearing pants no he wasn't wearing
0: pants that's what i thought and, i was like is that his ass and
1: <laughs> you know another little like um take that they had to use because they couldn't even reshoot it um you know after they do the do not fuck with us scene and they're all walking out all the guys are coming out of the hotel building and everything and they're all kind of pumped up um uh, if you look at meatloaf his pants fall down and you can even see like the fat suit he had under like his legs are oversized and he has something attached to him and he like has to oh, pull I miss up. that. yeah dude it's something i never noticed until i was watching the commentary and they pointed out. And I was like, I've seen this movie a million times. I've never seen Meatloaf's Pants Fall Off.
0: That's amazing. Yeah.
1: Um, and, you know, even the whole um, the AA groups and all that type of stuff, the way that came about was, you know, when Chuck, uh, the writer of the book, um, when he graduated college, he was just so desperate to, like, find people to talk to and connect to and to, like, find a social life. You know, when you leave college, you're – you're back to ground zero. You know, you're, you might've been up here in school, but now no one knows who you are. You're back at the bottom um, and he went to his church. He was so desperate just to interact with people and find a belonging of some sort. And it was during the holiday times and they had this huge tree with ornaments and you would pick an ornament and it tells you something like a gift to give. And it said, take a, a hospice, hospice person uh, on a date. So he'd have to go to hospice and basically he'd show these people the beach for the last time. Um, and he would do these things and take these people places and um, take them over to like their meetings and everything. And he'd have to sit through their meetings um, because he was with these people. And that's how everything he came up with, creating names and all that, that was all Chuck as a kid pulling from real life events practically.
0: Wow. Yeah. That's really interesting. It's it. dang. That's <laughs> I mean, it's funny seeing like what comes from Fincher's background of like his past mm-hmm. or like what comes now. You could see the differences between him and the author, but you see like oh, that's like from this person. That's from that person, and that it's not something necessarily fully originally thought up. It's like this is coming from their own memory and their own experiences. Yeah, just like uh, Fincher had a friend that worked uh, when they worked together at a movie theater. He would actually take the, I guess, more sexual scenes in the reel and cut that up and put it. He said he put it in that envelope that he had. <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, I cut it from each movie after." Oh my gosh, I know that. But uh, speaking of those, though, uh, one thing I didn't notice, I think the earlier times I watched it, really, like, I, I, I guess it just kind of went over my head. But the, I guess you could call them the glitches. Oh yeah! In the beginning, before you first actually really meet Tyler, mm-hmm. is the Tyler glitches where you see for a very very split second he appears on the screen. You could tell it's like basically him kind of coming out. He's he's becoming developed mm-hmm. as uh, Ty- like the Edward Norton Tyler is needing is creating him in his mind to basically solve the problems he's having within his life as he feels trapped. And it goes also, it, I thought it was very poetic that it went hand in hand with like the whole projectionist job where he goes and he's like, yeah, I have to switch the reels. But when I do, I add in a very, very split second, like same thing. The glitch of like, oh, I put in uh, some obscene scene of like a woman and this dude's fat dick or something. <laughs> and, and in a family movie and for a split second, the audience sees it and they're all just like. But did we see it? Because it was such a split second. You're like, did I see something? But they look at each other like, and the kids like looking, the girls crying. People are like, I don't.
1: Intense. It's such a heavy moment, you know, for something so. Oh man, it's like a terrorist attack almost. You know, yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) On their psyche because they don't. It's like, but it's in a family like that's impossible. That's not. That's not possible. Like it's out of everyone's realistic. Uh, expectations and that happens in the film too so it's kind of I don't don't want to say it's like a breaking of the fourth wall even though you have Edward Norton talking Mm -hmm. to the audience basically so I guess it is and it's like oh that's what technically happens through it as you kind of see the acts uh, differentiate where it's like oh arc one is you have Edward Norton arc two is him and Tyler being friends and stuff arc three is like oh this isn't as good as I thought it was and it, it just goes through those different portions and seeing that he's a glitch and they explain what had happened before but it's up to you as the audience to really know if you did see something earlier or if it was something you think was playing a trick on your imagination and for some people it probably just went over their heads they're like oh that's interesting and it's like you know that happened earlier in the movie right and you're like what what do you mean yeah like it's so it's so so it's so meta man. It's, like it's just like and that's what I think is so brilliant. and yeah, it's totally breaking
1: the fourth world because like uh, towards the end of the movie, when right before the credits roll, you see the cock like flash before your eyes that single frame. Did you catch that?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah and, it, and it's just it, you're like, oh, okay <laughs> yeah, and
1: it's one of those things. It's nice. just like, ha <laughs> like um yeah, it's that's what I mean. the editing on this was you know we were talking about the pilot light moment. Um, how it goes how between the narration and him telling what's going on visually it's kind of like watching a comic book in a sense you have that narration over the visuals that do connect but don't really connect at the same time Um, and it's it's just brilliant like it's it's one of those movies it's one of Jared Leto's first movies that he ever did um, where you're still side characters and he was amazing in it and it's he also comes in on the one moment where he's saying that we're not movie stars or rock stars, and it's Brad Pitt speaking that. And when he says rock stars, he's right in front of Jared Leto, too. Um
0: Yeah, and he's got his yellow ass blonde hair. Yeah. I love the when he's standing outside, the first guy that they train is like, You're fat, blah blah and you're you're just you're blonde. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're too blonde. <laughs>
1: oh, well oh, it's so great. Fight Club's an amazing movie. It's monumental um i had a blast i i saw it like kind of over like three times over this week i was watching the commentaries and i sat down and watched it again last night and well let me ask you did you did it did it shock you the first time you saw it did you know that that was tyler and the narrator as the same person
0: i think so no the first time at my age i don't think it even crossed my mind whereas watching it now it's like, I guess after knowing it and just watching it, it's incredibly obvious, especially the, the easiest giveaway is just uh, all of the Marla mm-hmm. interactions. Or yeah. it's just like, I what are you talking about? And you're just like, because the whole thing is like, if you're the average viewer and you don't know what's going on, it's meant to make you think that Marla's just like bipolar or crazy or something. You're just like, why is she always like this? And it's like, no, dude, he's literally insane. Yeah, and it's that... <laughs> tyler's not here right now tyler's gone and then the
1: way she freaks out those are yeah you're the Marla scenes are the most obvious scenes of them all um you know even it's kind of weird even when he's backtracking through the plane and the flights and everything which all when he's following tyler when tyler's disappeared um all those shots of the planes going to and from those were done in one day and really yeah, they only had authorization for uh LAX for one day, so they had a guy just shooting planes from different angles all around um, all day long to get all that footage, and it came out wonderful.
0: Yeah, they did a good job, um, especially because it's pretty much like a montage when they're go- that's yeah. like their montage scene going through that portion. There's so many it's just montage like,
1: scenes when you think about it.
0: Yeah, yeah, it, they they, they, just, they do a great job, and I will say one one thing like uh, a quote I did type down uh, that I did really like just. Uh, there's always, I don't know why, it's like it's funny And it's like, oh, what are the most philosophical quotes you've gotten and It's like, is it Confucius? And I'm like, nah, dude, it's uh, Henry Jones from Last Crusade Or, uh, <laughs> I'm like, what? And I'm like, yeah, you know <laughs> But uh, this one, I, I thought this was really good uh, This is quoted by Tyler Durden, basically Brad Pitt is like, the things that you own end up owning you And I was like, fuck <laughs> Yeah,
1: dude, it hits you Especially when you're older, when you've invested so much in your life. Um, oh, yeah,
0: and you, you really do spend so much time on just like, oh, I'm going to get this or that, and you're just not really... In a sense, you're not living. Mm-hmm. You're just kind of doing other things or whatever um, that you, you think you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And that's that's why the film, like, is so relevant still. And It's, just, it, it's not necessarily saying, like, uh, go blow up a bunch of bank buildings and shit, but it's more like, you know... Remember that you Need to like we're not necessarily Bred to be little Office cubicle dudes like we were Originally hunter gatherers Mm. but like We also just lived and stuff And it's like you know live
1: (laughs) You know and this is gonna sidetrack A little bit as we wrap up but uh It reminded me kind of
0: I saw a Soul a few days ago and then I watched fight. Club. Yes. <laughs> you know they like Same thing. Yeah, no, I was a uh, dude, I was thinking the same thing <laughs> of like uh just like that whole thing is about like just hey, live and enjoy your life. Yeah. Like that's the whole be in the point moment.
1: Like just be in your moment and enjoy the moments you have cuz that's what's important. And a- as a writer, as you know, as a musician and as a writer, uh you can't express until you've lived a little bit. You don't have anything to say until you really think about those important small moments, because that's what means the most. And Soul did such a great job on representing that. And Fight Club really just literally pounds the message into your face. Um. Yeah, it really <laughs> literally punches
0: it into your face. Do you think Soul is, uh, they, they were like, hey, we want to do Fight Club, but animated and for a family. And they're like, Soul, perfect.
1: Oh, crap, maybe. That's yeah, a really ho-
0: that thought. would be ho- that would be so hilarious. If that, <laughs> that was, was actually the like, they're like, yeah, we're really inspired by Fight Club, and it was like, huh, okay, yeah, I, I that, can see the message. You're all right, all right, yeah, get me Tina Fey. <laughs> 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 just, just
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, um, man, yeah, wow, it's such a connection between those two movies. Now that we we've just, I'm that. glad
0: we did this movie right now because it's so f- like Soul is like so fresh in my mind right mm-hmm. now that it's like perfect timing. Uh, And also, I will say Fight Club because uh, recently I've had bad experiences with film length where, you know, there's films that actually really, really benefit from like having a strong length. Like either it's Batman v Superman or, of course, the literal epitome of it all, Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's ones that don't. Batman Returns. Wonder Woman, (laughs) 1980 wonder woman 1984 exactly those two movies are like recent examples where i'm like oh i need to keep looking at my watch like is this done yeah. yet whereas this was this is a great example of the length is worth because it's not even two and a half hours it's like two hours and 45 minutes or something if i'm correct oh no 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 it's it's like is it i forget it's something over two hours though which the standard films nowadays are, or at least a standard film is somewhere between Oh, an hour and a half, yeah, to two 139
1: hours. minutes. So yeah, you're looking at two hours and 40 minutes there, or two hours and 20 minutes. Two hours and 20 minutes.
0: Okay, there you go. Yeah. All right, so yeah, it's it's not even like the standard two hours, but it's enough where it keeps it keeps you going with the story, and the acts are so long mm-hmm. that they they kind of have their own arcs. Like you kind of feel a lot of differences where it's like it is really just oh it's two guys being like weird friends and there's like a woman that goes to a test- a testicular cancer uh yeah <laughs> group therapy totally and right. now you've yeah and and then you go to like it just goes to something different where it's like hey it's these guys that are fighting each other all the time they're getting like a weird culture out of it and then it goes into hey we're like culture we're like i don't even know how to describe them they're like basically we're like some form of underground terrorist organization and also we are listening to you but we're not listening to you at the same time because you told us not to listen to you Mm -hmm. so it, it they're just so it's so vastly different and the best parts is like you get uh pretty much four characters through it all you get uh brad pitt edward norton you get helena Bonham carter And you get meatloaf because you get meatloaf through (laughs) like a lot of it too. (laughs) Yeah. You
1: know, and for them to portray all four characters so well, um, you can understand them completely. Like, you know, Edward Norton's character, um, he's very bland. He's very, he's the everyday worker man, you know, and Brad Pitt is everything that he can't be. So that's why he dresses so outlandish and just so weird and whatnot. Um, and I love, uh, um marla because she's trying to kill herself in every scene you know when she's on the phone she has like the phone wire wrapped around her neck she's always coughing on her smoke she's you know just jumping out in front of traffic like she doesn't care if she lives or dies and you get that portrayed so well um from the from the start um and then (laughs) meatloaf too his transformation dude he has such an amazing arc for being a minor kind of a minor character um and it's, it's meatloaf, dude. And it's funny as hell that they had to add fat to meatloaf to, like, just give them the, the bitch tits and, like, the, the X huge pants and everything. Like, it's what they did there in two and a half hours. The majority of movies that are two and a half hours just don't do.
0: Yeah. Like, it gets to a point where each. You know, you watch a movie that's this long and you go like, oh, man, you know, this would have been even better if they just cut out this part Mm. or cut out some portion to make it more uh, just shorter. Because I guess, you know, people's attention spans aren't what they used to be either. Mm. Whereas this, it's like every scene feels integral because it really just builds the full story and you need every piece to understand what's going on. Yeah. and The car scene, you know what I
1: mean? Like, that's such a
0: monumental
1: almost every scene in that adds to the character or it changes the character. Like there's definition and there's things brewing. It progresses the story with every single scene. And I mean, movies like Wonder Woman 1984 just didn't do that. Didn't do anything for yeah. the character. And we could rant about that for years. You
0: know what I mean? Yeah. That's uh, a different, that's a different thing. A different thing. Um, but We'll get to that on a different show.
1: The comparison between a movie that's based around three characters, Wonder Woman, Pedro Pascal and Cheetah compared to what this one did with, three characters and a minor character like it's it's night and day how well it was yeah. written and done um and that just because it's a modern movie and it, i just saw it that's why it's fresh in my mind that i'm not picking on it at all in that sense um there's plenty of other movies that are great examples
0: um yeah we can shit on anything it's there's an endless yeah. <laughs> this, but we <we're... laughs>
1: but i mean i guess like overall um as a closer you know it's it's a movie that if you haven't seen it it's a must watch because it doesn't matter who you are i think there's something in it for you and if it offends you great if it uh changes your life and opens your eyes even better um but it's it's something that everyone should kind of think about at a certain point and honestly if you like soul watch fight club
0: yeah that's gonna be our take quote. your kids have your kids watch <laughs> yeah that's going to be our quote yeah, for the, really... uh,
1: how we're going to promote it. If you like soul, yeah. watch my club. <laughs> Is that going to be
0: the audio quote? <laughs> Just... <laughs> that, oh, that's God. my,
1: uh, what are they called? with The little quote reviews? Are um, they give stars? Uh, that...
0: Oh, that's my, I I, I don't know. That... Or that's my, uh... I guess your thesis? I get. Uh, I'm not sure.
1: Yeah, it's our first. I forget what it's that called.
0: About that. Um, Yeah, it's the (laughs) the No, no. My thesis
1: was, uh, this is the best self-help movie, self-love
0: movie to start your year with. Oh, definitely. Definitely. (laughs) I would say so. It makes you want to hug yourself. You're just like, yeah, feelings. (laughs) It's really all about yourself. Let it all all out. Let it out. It's
1: kind of a love story, but it's really about loving yourself and coming to terms with yourself, you know?
0: Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Like I said, guys, it's it's eat, pray, love for men. (laughs) It's... uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> those are gonna be our two quotes you pray
1: love for men and if you like soul you gotta watch fight club well yeah this was uh an amazing first episode and i'm glad that Definitely. we kicked off with fight club uh go read the book there's so much more we couldn't even cover we're trying to keep these episodes short for you guys but um next week we're gonna cover seven and i've never seen it so i'm very excited and i can't wait to dive into it because it's a new movie for me and then February, we're gonna be doing the month of love with some James Bond films, so yeah, be going on for a uh, kind of you know throughout the year. There's so many of them, we want to get them all.
0: Yeah, let's just say Bond takes up about a quarter of the year, <laughs> and that's going to be like every year for however long we're doing yes. this until we run out of Bond films. And yes. uh, that was actually real fast when we were making, we were thinking of this show, the first set of movies that came to our minds was James Bond. I don't know why, but it was just like, you know, it'd be cool to just talk about James Bond. It-
1: you you said something on a commentary, and at the time I was on a Bond kick because I was writing a spy story, a spy game, um, and I was like, "Oh, this is brilliant!" And we just we just synced like really well over that. Um, but I'm excited to go back to those ridiculous ass It's gonna be
0: great. Yeah, and we're recording this uh, on January second. This is coming out like when you're when you can first listen to this will be uh, Wednesday the thirteenth. And the plan is uh, all these episodes will be coming out every other week. So uh, it's usually majority of the time gonna be two episodes per month then, and each month will have a specific theme, whether it's a director or a series or something. Uh, I think there's like maybe one or two months that we'll have like three movies, but it just depends on the kind of like, like I said, it's every other week. So just, we'll see how it hits. Uh, otherwise, uh, these shows will probably run like, a little bit less than an hour or it just depends on how much we have to say about the film yeah like maybe just maybe if it's something so big and there's so much to talk about we might go over an hour but otherwise we're going to try to keep it as probably our shortest show compared to like every other type of show we do whether it's in apollo or sutra or something mm-hmm. otherwise uh guys that is that is it and before we go of course uh, Brandon, where is all of your stuff at?
1: You can check out Apollo City Comics on Instagram, on any social media network. Um, we stream on literally every podcast platform. Just search Apollo City Comics podcast. And um, YouTube, we, we now have visuals for our comic book overviews. And it's a comic book commentary show where we give a commentary over a book um, or a movie or show um and it's really just us breaking it down and you know panel by panel page by page uh word balloon by word balloon we brandon uh, brandon and i um our co-host is brandon um we just kind of break it down and we have a good little commentary over everything and it's just uh two
0: creators talking about creative stuff Nice. <laughs> and if you're already subscribed to this, that means you probably know about the shows I do. I've got, uh, you can listen to our main weekly show, Sutra Side Talk, uh, where it's myself and my co host James. We talk about usually gaming, movie, and TV news, and then uh, usually what we play and watch. And then uh, our newer, not necessarily uh, older than this show, but newer than the previous, is uh, Up to It, Down to It, where me and a few friends from my, uh, college uh talk about literally random we'll just pick a random topic and just go in there's no there's it is the least structured show there is and it's just ridiculous and then uh coming soon there'll be a uh, dc limited uh series that uh brandon will also be on will yes. be us and potentially it'll be the biggest cast of people uh we'll see how that goes mm-hmm. but that'll be coming potentially uh, also this month later on we'll, we'll see depending on how scheduling is but uh, otherwise, uh, that is it, everybody. I hope you all enjoyed this. Have uh, have a good start to your new year.
1: Yeah. Uh, start breaking those resolutions now. Just give up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just
0: Yeah, eat the cake, guys. <laughs> eat the cake. Just eat it all.
1: <laughs> oh, it was good hanging out with you, man. Thanks for having me on.
0: Definitely. Thank you for being here. All right. So long.